Zanino. Middle, middle. That a boy. He, he, he got it. He, he, he got it. it. We're going he got it. Mike Zanino <laughs> just walked off Minnesota. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Amen, brother. Good speed out there, pitch. Deep drive, left center field. Give me a baby! Go! A home run for Mitch Hanniger! Everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Soto Mojo Podcast. This is the co-site expert, Colby Patnode, and I'm joined as always by co-site expert Ty Gonzalez. And we're here to talk about the Mariners. And uh, Ty, it was uh, it's kind of a rough homestand, so uh, I don't really want to talk about it, do you? Like, uh, Not really. I mean, uh, you know. Rough homestands, rough ho- uh, road trips. You know, the last two months can go take a hike, honestly. Yeah. Thankfully, there's still five, six weeks left. and uh, They're four and a half back. They is lost last night. Yeah, somehow the Mariners, they're the cockroach you just can't quite kill. Um, yeah. They're hanging around. It's not likely, but, you know, they're not out of it, so until they are. The, Mar- the Mariners are like Sir Nilly Headless Nick. <laughs> Harry Potter reference, love it. <laughs> Don't get me started. I could talk Harry Potter all day. Fantastic. I mean, we could. The Crimes of Grindelwald is going to be excellent. Yes, yes. I'm yeah. very much looking forward to it. <laughs> As am I. Anyways, so because we don't really want to talk about what just happened, and because. Eh, we're not that creative. Um, we outsource <laughs> we outsource the planning of this uh, podcast to you guys. Um, so we have four questions. Um, these four que- questions were sent to us. Um, congratulations to the sender of these four questions. You guys are now members of the uh, League of Bloggers Fantasy Football League. Um, you will be members nine through twelve, and uh, we're going to answer these questions. And don't worry, mo- almost all of them have to do with the Mariners. There's not going to be any fantasy football talk, um, unless, you know, we decide we want to. It's our podcast. So, um, anyways, we have four, like I said, we have four questions. We have one from Jim, one from Jack, one from Ben, and one from Daniel. It sounds like I just picked the most four generic names ever and made these questions up, but uh, they're they're all real. So, uh, I guess we'll just dive right in, and we'll start with... And I apologize if I'm saying your last name's wrong. Um, I'm just taking a stab in the dark here. Jim Dulesky wants to know, what are the odds that Jerry DePoto makes a trade before August 31st? So, Ty, I guess I'll let you start. Um, What do you think? You still feeling confident that he'll make a deal? Yeah, I'd say, I don't know, right now 95%. um, Still, you know, feel certain about that. yeah, there's still a lot of time. Uh, the Mike Leak deal happened 
on the 31st, correct? Or on oh, the 30th? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, it can happen any time. Uh, there's still players that have cleared revocable waivers that still have quite some time left on on uh, on that to uh, to get a deal done. And um, yeah, I think I think Jerry will will swing something. I I, I, I think that he does want to see um, how far Paxson is along uh, in terms of uh, potentially looking at another starter. Um, but with the, you know, with Marco kind of falling apart, that might also open up the, uh, the door. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty certain that Jerry will still make at least one move, um, in the next week or so. Yeah, I would, uh, I would tend to agree with that. Um, is it going to be a big flashy move? No, but most trades in August aren't, that's just not how they work. Um, if a player's available in August, it's usually for a pretty good reason. Um, so no, I don't think it's going to be a, a splashy move. I do expect um, at least one move. I could see two. Um, the thing to remember is is that the closer you get to making a deal on the 31st, um, the easier it is to help with roster flexibility because the next day your rosters expand to 40. Um so, like, if Jerry acquires a pitcher or whatever on the 31st, then the trade's official, he's on your roster, but then you don't have to make a roster move until the 1st, and the roster move is not, you know, it's not needed because rosters have expanded, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so which possibly- is Which is good for, like, a Marco Gonzalez situation because he's out of options. Right, and so, and you can't, you're not going to, you know, Marco on waivers because he'll get claimed um, probably by the Tigers or who, the Orioles, I think, hold the number one yeah. waiver spot. He'll get claimed by the Orioles because even the Orioles aren't that stupid. But, yeah, it's you know, if you make a trade on the 30th and the guy doesn't report until the 2nd of September, which, you know, happens, guys just can't drop everything they're doing and hop on a plane and get up to Seattle in 24 hours. You know, that's not how it usually works. Um so, yeah, the closer he waits, um, A, the more leverage he has in trades, and B, the easier it is for him to kind of finagle the roster. Not that there's not guys he can't DFA, Andrew Romine, but, uh, you know, there's just some flexibility with waiting, and um, it's really unlikely that the Mariners are going to fall completely out of this in the next week. Um they're not in a great spot right now, but they're probably not going to be eliminated in a week. You know, that would, unless they go 0-7 and Houston and uh, Oakland go 7-0, and you know, they're probably still going to be right about where they are. So we'll see, but I would say, yes, they are going to make a deal. Um, I'm just not sure what kind of deal. There's been a lot of guys who have, you know, waivers are starting to become public. Um, Matt Harvey is a guy who's been claimed by an unknown team. Um, it's not the Mariners. <laughs> Billy Hamilton is a guy who's been claimed by an unknown team. Probably not the Mariners. Andrew McCutcheon, I believe, has now cleared waivers. So I don't know if he makes a lot of sense, but he's out there. So Ty, is there a like a player or a type of player that you think makes the most sense for the Mariners? Um, yeah. So so a name that we we've talked about um, for some time now. Uh, is Jordan Zimmerman, and he he cleared waivers back on the 
18, I believe. Uh, so he still has a, a few days left for a deal to be made. Um, the other name that we talked about was Irvin Santana, but he's on the DL now. So I think that's out of the window. Um, and then another name is one that I wrote about, uh, Starlin Castro, um, mm-hmm. because that makes things easier to shift D into a full-time utility role. Um, which is something that they have at least toyed around with because they did finally let him play some shortstop against the Dodgers. Um, so clearly they, they know that they have the flexibility to do that. I just can't, I mean, like I said this, you know, way before the trade deadline that I couldn't see Andrew Romine on the roster past July 31st. That, that happened, but I legitimately cannot see him on this roster in September. I, I just, I don't. Like, it just, that does not make any sense to me. Um, and I, I, I just can't see it. I, I, I don't think that the Mariners are, while they've done some pretty uh, moronic things, especially this season, but <laughs> I can't imagine that they are that stupid to let Andrew Romine play a full season for them. Um, but, you know, crazier things have happened. So, yeah, they proved that this year. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess the nice thing about you know Romine is once you get to September, it doesn't really matter because he's never going to play. Yeah. Um. I mean, he hardly plays now, but it's not like he's taking up a precious twenty-five man roster spot. The Mariners aren't going to call up forty guys, like fifteen guys. They're not going to have a forty-man roster in September. But I bet they have more than most teams. Um. You're looking at four or five bullpen arms that could help right away. Um, Gordon Beckham, or was he DFA'd? It's hard to keep up with who gets DFA'd instead of Andrew Romine. But uh, Freitas will Vince, be up. Vinci was DFA'd. Another, I know that. Yeah, another brilliant move. Uh, yeah, uh, Freitas will be up. Vogelbach will be up. You know, um, we'll see. They'll probably call up eight or nine guys. Um, yeah. And so Romine will be less valuable. But Heredia. Heredia will yeah, be up. Heredia will be up. Yep. So, I mean, Romine probably won't get his – if Romine gets a single at-bat in September, the season is over. Like, you're, yeah. you're waving the white flag and whatever. Um, a guy that we haven't talked a lot about that makes some sense, uh, at least for me, is Francisco Liriano of the Tigers. Yeah. He has also cleared waivers. Um, he's started most of the year. Hasn't gone real well for him. Uh he has a 4.82 ERA, uh, only 80 strikeouts in 102 innings, and a 1.5 WHIP. But against left-handed pitch, left-handed hitters, they are slashing 138, 233, 225 against him. Uh, you know, you know, Pazos has kind of been. They're a little bit concerned with Pazos. They sent him down. His velocity's down. So adding a second lefty to the bullpen makes some sense. He can give you a little bit of length. He's been starting all year. So you need him to cover two innings. He can do that. Um, he might make a, a spot start for you. And, I mean, it's not going to be great, but Liriano does have good upside. No, he cleared waivers towards the beginning of August, so he should only have a couple of days left. I don't I don't think there's a time limit once you clear waivers. I, th- I think there's, like, 15 days or something like that. I, I read 
like for for guys that cleared waivers because I read something about that with the Jordan Zimmerman thing. All right, well, you know what? I'll look it up online. But either way, uh, yeah. that's a guy who makes sense. Um, yeah, if he has time left. Um, so uh, also, you know, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Starlin Castro. I'm gonna keep mentioning uh, Jose Iglesias. I know that's not a player yeah. that makes a ton of sense. Um, but Segura, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Segura left yesterday's game with a rib issue, upper rib issue, I think is what they determined it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's just, I get that you're probably not going to use, uh, and now I've forgotten his name. <laughs> Andrew uh, Roman? No, 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 the Jose Iglesias, sorry. Oh, yeah. You're probably not going to use him all that much, but he's only got a year left. He's making about, you owe him about a million dollars. And having that late game defense at shortstop, I mean, Iglesias might be the second best shortstop in baseball defensively. I mean, it's him or Andrelton Simmons. And he's not nothing with the bat. He hit, this year he's hitting 267, 311, 388, and that's not good. But yeah, it's not terrible, though. No, it's when, when absolutely you, abysmal. When you combine it with his defense, he's a two-win player, yeah. which is valuable. And if Segura is going to miss any time whatsoever, then you cannot start Andrew Romine. You're getting to the point where starting D. Gordon isn't even a good idea. Um, so Iglesias makes sense to me. Um, yeah. But yeah, those are the types. Uh, like you said, you said 95%, right? Yeah. Trade happens. Okay. Um, Okay. Uh, Anyways, just to clarify the little waiver issue, the dispute we were having. Yeah. On MLB.com, it says if a player goes unclaimed for two days, he passes through waivers. His team can then trade him to any other team for the rest of the season. Unless he has a no-trade clause, a limited no-trade provision, or 10-5 rights. Oh, right. Zimmerman has a no-trade clause, so that's why. Okay. Right. Okay. See, waiver deals are so confusing because there are so many rules to it. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's it's difficult because you don't know everybody who's been passed through waivers. Yeah. Uh, We, according to Jerry DePoto, at least, he said that the Mariners have claimed a few players and we're just unable to work out a trade. So, um, I don't know who I wanted players. to know who they were. <laughs> yeah, that, that'd be great. Yeah. It's Bryce Harper. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, he did not get to the Mariners in the waiver priority. Um, yeah. and actually, a few players. It was, a dot, it was the Dodgers that got him, right? Yeah. They claimed him. Yeah. They claimed him. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, Jim, I would say that I would put the odds at like ninety-seven percent. Um, wow, you want to one up me, huh? Two up, actually, <laughs> but two yeah, up, yeah. I, I just I don't see any. Depoto has to make a deal, um, otherwise he doesn't stand much of a chance. Um, there's just I wouldn't expect anything big, but I think you can still get a useful piece. It would be nice if he had club control, but we're about we're a week and a day away from the last month of the season. So yeah, what if the guy can help you make the trade basically is what I'm saying. Yeah. 
All right. So uh, thanks for the question, Jim, and uh, welcome to the league. Uh, Jack, uh, Jack Maloney, I'm pretty sure I'm saying that one right. Uh, he wants to know what is the logic behind uh, service not using Colome or Diaz in games that are close, but the Mariners are losing. He wants to, is he wonders if, if maybe just an old baseball like idea that stuck around. Um, but he wants to know why in a winnable game in the eighth you don't use your best weapons to keep it that way. Yeah, so I just wrote about this, actually, uh, and it will be up by the time that the podcast is out. Um, so I won't give away everything, but basically what I said was, and this may seem like an overreaction to some people, but you know the Mariners have played it safe with their players, and it's... You know, it's mainly due in part to how disastrous the the injury situation was last year. Um, they've been they've been scared to to you know to let their pitchers work through really anything. So that's why they've had a quick trigger on Paxton and Marco, and um, you know, even dating back to the to spring training. You know, when Felix got got hit, <clears throat> excuse me, when Felix got hit. On that comebacker, you know they um, they were very quick to to shut him down. Um, I see it as they don't want to risk uh, injury to to Diaz or Colome. I see it that they only want to use them when they absolutely have to, and in their eyes, when they absolutely have to, is when they have a is when Colome has a save to set up and when. Uh, Diaz has a, has a save to obtain. Of the uh, 62 games that Diaz has appeared in this year, only 10 of them are in non-save situations. So, I mean, that that should tell you right there. And, and for, you know, someone that many people consider to be a prime Cy Young candidate, that's not a good look. You know, you need to use your best relievers in, um, you know, high leverage situations. So, so take yesterday's game for example, because I, I'm sure this is what the the question is stemming off of. So the Mariners came back. It was nine seven. They leave Adam Warren in the eighth. Adam Warren gives up a home run to Tyler White. Ten seven makes the game pretty much out of reach. Um. Now, you know, the argument, the simple argument there is just, well, even if Colome or Diaz entered the game, the result would have still been the same because the offense didn't score. That's fine. Still, <laughs> the having Diaz or Colome in the game gives you the best chance to win. And they're just, they're consistently not doing this. So, you know, remember back to the, you know, let's go back to the East Coast trip and the Yankees series and the Red Sox series. The Mariners went one and five in those games. Diaz saw the mountain once and he, and it was when he entered a seven nothing lead for the Mariners. If you remember, we, you know, the Mariners blew a five nothing lead to the Yankees. Which Colome was the one to uh, be dealt the final blow. 
or no, 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 Ryan Cook was, but Colum A allowed the game to be tied. And um, there was a 14-10 to 10 game that Diaz could have entered at some point. And, uh, you know, Scott Service, for whatever reason, truly holds on to his bullpen rolls, which, if we're being real, bullpen rolls don't mean anything. All they do is signify who the top dogs in your bullpen are. That's it. That's it. A closer, <laughs> a closer and the setup man, that's just words, really. Relievers can go at any time, and they should go at any time. It, it can, you know, because, all right, look at the Indians. Look at the Astros. Look at the Yankees. Okay, if we look at like the Indians from two years ago when they went to the World Series, they weren't they weren't saving Andrew Miller for the ninth inning. They were bringing in Andrew Miller in like the fourth inning. You know, they weren't saving Cody Allen for the ninth. They put him in in the seventh. You know, the, <laughs> you don't have to abide by the rules. Okay, so if and this is another thing that I said in the article, if you have so much faith in Nick Vincent and Adam Warren and Zach Duke to keep things close. Why don't you have faith in them, you know, getting a save if Diaz has to go earlier than expected? Or pitching the eighth if Colome has to go earlier than expected? You know, why don't, <laughs> like, if you have so much faith in them, why don't you show that? in other situations. So, that's where I am right now with that. I don't get it. I don't understand why they do it. Um, I don't understand why why service sticks to these fictitious roles consistently. It just doesn't make any sense to me. It really doesn't. Yeah. Um, I would say that Scott Service is managing his bullpen specifically to get Edwin Diaz saves, which is just about the stupidest thing you could possibly do. Um, you know, we look at all these close <coughs> games, these one-run games that the Mariners lose, that Edwin Diaz never enters the game. That's a mistake. And, you know, I see this a lot on Twitter. Um, I'm very much in favor for using Diaz early. Um, I've asked him to be used in the sixth inning before. Um, you know, I'm, I trust Colome now. He's not as good as Diaz. Nobody is, but he's still really good. So if you want to save Diaz for later in the game, fine, go to Colome. Um, it just, it doesn't make sense. Um, and like I said, I see this on Twitter all the time. People, they'll tweet at me, you would burn out Edwin Diaz if you were the manager. No, I wouldn't because you know what I'm not using Edwin Diaz for? I'm not using Edwin Diaz to save seven to nothing games. I'm not using Edwin Diaz to get three outs against the seven, eight, nine hitters with a three-run lead. I'm not doing that. Why is Scott Service doing that? Because he wants Edwin Diaz to get a save. The save is a meaningless stat. Yeah. It really is. It means nothing. Yep. Two years ago, the best reliever in baseball was Andrew Miller. He had like eight saves. People don't want to comprehend. They don't want to know this. They. It's easier to just say, well, no, because roles are so important. You need this. You need that. And look, I'm sure there's some value in a player knowing when they're going to come into the game. But, oh, by the way, Nick Vincent, 
he just started for the first time in his career and went two innings of shutout ball against the Astros on like an hour and a half notice. So don't sit here and tell me that a play a pitcher will fall apart. Edwin Diaz will just fall apart if he has to come into the game with the in the sixth inning. You're wrong. You're wrong, and you're stupid. Honestly, it's just it's really dumb for me. I can't fathom why. And I get like if Diaz needs a day off, that's fine. I get that. If he wakes up and he oh Skip, you know I slept wrong. My neck is really like messed up. I can't really go for I can't really go today in case of an emergency unless it's an emergency. That happens and I understand that. Yeah. Um, which is why I really do try hard not to slam service that badly with bullpen management because there are things that I don't know that the press doesn't know. But with the information I have in front of me that's available to me, I I I don't understand why you wouldn't use Diaz in those games like to me, the biggest, the biggest like fraud of this is in the eighth inning of Yankee Stadium with Alex Colomay, who was struggling at the time on the mound. Yeah. You're up by what three? It was, runners on first. It was five. five it was two. five three. And five, Gary, three. Gary Sanchez is up, right? Yeah. And the time runs at the plate. There's two outs. Use Diaz. Yeah. Like I just I don't. I don't understand why you wouldn't use Diaz to get four outs. We're asking him to throw for Diaz. We're asking him to throw another five pitches, maybe. Yeah. And and plus, and remember that Sanchez was struggling at the time too. Yeah. It's just you have to lose with your. It's very simple, and I always I always think of this. Like I co- I coach little league baseball, and that by no means makes me qualified to manage major league baseball. Um, don't, I'm not one of those guys, so don't confuse me with that. But if I ask my little league team, hey, their best hitter is at the plate, and he could win the game with one swing of the bat, do you want me to put in our best pitcher, or do you want me to put in our ninth best pitcher to face him? Which one do you think has a better shot? Yeah. Every single kid on that team, all 11- and 12-year-old stupidity running through his head, is going to say, put in the best guy. It's... Uh, it just—it's very basic. Game is on the line, and it can be in the li- on the line in the sixth. It can be on the line in the ninth. When the game's on the line, use your best guy. Period. So service doesn't do that because he wants Diaz to pitch the ninth so he can get a save. He wants Colme to pitch the eighth so that he can get a hold. He's basically managing to get these pointless stats, and it's stupid. And it's cost the Mariners games before. It'll cost them games in September. Um, and when you start looking at the end of the year at all the games that the Mariners could have won that didn't, those are probably going to be the difference between making the playoffs and not. So, um, yeah. I, and like looking back on it, it's, I don't know. It just, it, it, you know, for my theory, like the, the avoiding the risk of injury, it just comes off as playing or in this case, coaching scared. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and you can't do that. <laughs> good teams do not do that. They don't do any of this. You know, they. This is another thing. I'm pretty much spoiling the whole article, but whatever, because this is important. <laughs> they preached con- constantly from Scott Service to Jerry Depoto to Nelson Cruz during the off season. They preached 
oh yeah, we, you know, we've only missed the playoffs by a handful of games, you know, in, in 2014 and 2016. You know, every game matters. Well, when you do stuff like this, it shows that you don't understand that every game matters. You know, especially now, like, like right now you were four and a half back of the A's. Every single game from this point out is going to matter. You know, some, you know, one of the random ass games in the, the San Diego series coming up could matter. Um, you know, because what would be even worse than missing the playoffs is missing it by one or two games once again. Honestly, that would be the biggest slap in the face after all that has happened this season. If they miss it again by one or two games, it's going to be disgusting. It really is. And that's going to be where it seems. Yeah, it's preventable. Yeah, and that's the thing because if you have Edwin Diaz and Alex Colomay, two of the MLB's premier relievers, Especially Diaz being probably the best reliever in baseball right now. Why aren't you utilizing them in these close games? You know, because this isn't just something that happened yesterday or something that, you know, occurred in those Red Sox and and Yankees series. This has been constant throughout the whole season where the Mariners are down 3-2 or 4-2 or 4-3, etc. And they bring in James Pazos or someone like that and they give up another run. And then the Mariners score uh, later on and fall short by one run. This has happened. The the Mariners have, you know, and obviously putting in Diaz or Colomay doesn't guarantee you uh, you know, to hold the lead, but it increases your 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 chances a whole lot more. Yeah, and and it's just it's it's irritating because all signs are pointing to either the Mariners completely falling apart and missing the playoffs by eleven games or something like that, or they're going to miss it by two games. I right now I have very little faith that they will make the playoffs just because of how good the A's and Astros have been. But also because I just don't trust Scott Service. I really don't believe that he understands that every single game at from this point forward, and even from before, matters. Yeah. Um, you know, it's inter- interesting you talk about how not giving up that one run significantly increases your chances of winning. Take uh, take last night or yesterday's game. The Astros are up by two. All right, um, going into the bottom of or the top of the ninth, they're up by two. Um, the Mariners have using data available from 1957 until last season. All right, if the Mariners get out of that inning without giving up a run. They have a 7.9% chance of winning that game. All right, the Astros are going to win 92% of the time, but the Mariners have an 8% chance roughly. All right, yep. when they go down by three, the Mariners now have a 3.31% chance of winning that game. So one run, and you go from an 8% chance, which isn't a lot, to a 3% chance, which is even worse. Um, so 
again, you lost about 5% of win probability there by that one extra run. You had an off day today. You're off today. Diaz hadn't pitched the day before. There was no reason not to use Diaz in that situation. Unless yep. unless he's hurt or, you know, he was sick or something. But even column A should have been used. Exactly. So, by the way, one-run games in the uh, – if you get into the bottom of the ninth with uh, down by only one, your probability of winning that game is about uh, 18.25%. So, again, the difference between being down one and down two is about 11%. 10%. That's significant, guys. I mean, that's something you can, that's a big difference. Um, so the idea that you don't want to burn out Diaz, A, it's ridiculous. I mean, we've seen Diaz go week a week without pitching before. Um, the Mariners are going to get blown out. They're going to play in a lot of one-run games. They're going to get blown out a lot. That's who they've been for 120-some-odd games. That's who they're going to continue to be. So the idea that I'm going to burn out Diaz over the last month of the season by asking him to get four outs on occasion is ridiculous. So, um, Jack, to answer your question, at least for me, and then, Tyler, you can kind of finalize your thoughts here and also read the article. I'll leave a link in the uh, description. Um, the reason that the Mariners do that is because Scott Service is not a good field manager. He is either mentally incapable of changing or he's managing to try and not get fired, which doesn't make sense. So uh, I wish Especially I was, because he just got extended. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't get it. Um, you literally have two closers. Uh, one is the best in baseball. The other one, if he was actually a closer, would be top ten, top twelve, top fifteen, somewhere in that range. Okay. Use them. It's just and we and to be fair, Scott, we did see him use uh, column A for. Five outs once. Uh, he used them for four outs another time. Um, he's just not doing it enough. So <clears throat> I guess that's where I would leave you. Um, the reason they don't do it is because Scott's service is either incapable of doing it or is afraid to do it. Yep. All right. So we will go ahead and we will take our little break, and then we will come back with a little bit of discussion about the off season. All right, uh, thanks for allowing us to take our break. We are back, um, and we got two more questions. So let's uh, get through these. Um, Daniel Hogue, I want to H-A-U-G-E. I'm not quite sure. I apologize if I'm butchering that. Um, he sent a really good question, and uh, he would like to know, if the Mariners make the playoffs, what do you want to see them do in the offseason versus if they miss the playoffs? What would you like to see them do in the offseason? Um, so basically, this is how does making or missing the playoffs affect the Mariners offseason? That's basically yeah. what the question boils down to. Um, I don't think we have to get into or should get into like deep specifics right now. But uh, I'm sure, you know, that does it does it change your strategy at all, Ty, whether they make or miss the playoffs? Not really. I um, There are glaring holes on this team. Um, so whether they make the playoffs or not, they, they need to improve. Um, you know, there, there are opportunities to, to sell. Uh, I think they should take them. Um, I think, uh, a James Paxson trade 
um, is something we'll we'll probably explore. Um, same goes for you know D Gordon, um, and, and you know quite a few other players on the team. Um, and I think that you know Depoto needs to p- pivot a little bit on his um, on his way of thinking when it comes to the off season. I think. You know, for all the money that he claims the Mariners have, he should use it in free agency. Um, because the Mariners don't have a lot to trade. So you're not going to get um, some significant pieces that greatly uh, increase your your ball club's potential through trade this offseason. Um, it's going to have to happen in the free agency. So that um, and that needs to happen no matter what. Um, even in the Mariners, let's say they go on some miraculous Royals esque run where they make the World Series somehow out of the wild card. Even if that were to happen, which it won't, but if that were to happen, they still need to improve in certain places. Um, you know, getting a um, quality center fielder is one of them. Um, a top-of-the-rotation starter, especially if Paxton is traded. You know, someone like Patrick Corbin could be, um, you know, someone you look at. I just, um, I you know, things after watching this team now and seeing the problems that they have, despite how well they have played at times, things need to change. This isn't a ball club that you can't, you know, move forward with entirely. You know, guys like D. Gordon, um, Cameron Maven, um, you know, Mike Leak, maybe, you know, like, you can't move on with some of these guys. Um, you know, I, I'm still for trading... Ryan Healy. You know, I don't think Ryan Healy is the first baseman of the future for the Mariners. And I know a lot of you are going to send your hate mail to me because of that. Because, will he hit home runs? Well, listen. Um, also, okay. I know we're... I, I know I'm going to uh, go off the beaten path here. Can we please talk about the morons that have responded to you about Justin Smoke on Twitter? Uh, sure. Um, you're morons. I, uh, I don't, I honestly don't know why anybody would say no to Justin Smoke. Um, well, that's not true. I know why they're saying no to Justin Smoke. Um, they're stupid. Um, (laughs) but for anybody anywhere to sit here or sit behind their computer or whatever and say that Justin Smoke is not an upgrade to Ryan Healy. They clearly don't know what they're talking about. I'm honestly surprised they have a Twitter because if that probably means they have internet access, which means it's really easy for them to find out how good Justin smoke is. Justin smoke this year is slashing 253, 361, 463. That's an 824 OPS. That's a 126 OPS plus. That's 19 homers, which is three less than Ryan Healy. 
But think about that you're trading three home runs for about 65 walks. Yeah. I, by the way, the defense, better. Yeah. Justin Smoke is easily, easily an upgrade over Ryan Healy. It's not close. Justin Smoke right now is a 2.2 win player by baseball reference war. Isn't Healy in the negative? Uh, I believe Healy is either at or around zero. So let me yeah. pull him up. Um, but yeah, you're. Yeah, Ryan Healy by baseball reference war is negative 0.3. Justin Smoke is two wins better yeah. than Ryan so Healy. So if you're, if, if you're sending us the been there, done that tweets, um, please uh, kick rocks. Um. Because you don't know what you're talking about. Justin Smoke is a good player. Even if he comes here, yeah. even if the Mariners were to trade for him, and he came to Seattle, and he was trash again, which you guys are all fearful of, clearly. Even if that were to happen, like you're not stuck with Justin Smoke. I believe he has a club option next year, right? So He has, yeah, he has a team option. It is worth a grand total of six million dollars, with a two with a two hundred fifty thousand dollar buyout. Yeah. I so, mean, by the way, the fact wow. that Justin Smoke went unclaimed on waivers is insane. Yeah. How did the Yankees not claim Justin Smoke? Like, like I mean, if ever there was a swing that was made to play at Yankee Stadium, yeah. I just I don't I don't get why people are being stupid about Justin Smoke. And apparently it's not just the people on Twitter, it's baseball people, because Jerry DePoto absolutely should have claimed Justin Smoke. Yeah. You know, Brian Cashman absolutely should have claimed Justin Smoke. And this idea that, well, what do you do with uh, Robinson Cano? You play him at second base. What Are you high? And D. Gordon is your utility man. Which is great. Why do, yeah. Which is great because D. Gordon shouldn't be in your lineup every day. Yes. And I know uh, anyway. that's controversial, but guys, D. Gordon's not good. Like, yeah. not, not this year. He has a two ninety six on on base percentage. Yeah, it makes me sad to say it because I really like D. And I like what he he has done for the clubhouse, but God, yeah, it's, it's been pathetic. Yeah, it's been pathetic to think, watch. And, think how good D is defensively and on the bases. He's worth point six B WAR. Yeah. Points. He's on pace to be a one-win player. That's below. That's just barely above replace. That's not a starter. That's a that's a bench guy. Yeah. And so, I. What? Sorry. Yeah. It really, it really, it really makes me sad. Just real quick, because I, you know, and this is kind of more on topic talking about D, because I did mention that the Mariners should move on from him in the off season. Um. You know, it's it's just it's really sad. Because remember how hot he started? Didn't yep. he have like a 15 game hitting streak or something crazy like that to start the season? Yeah. It w- uh, before he went on the DL, he was hitting like 340 or something like that. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it really makes me sad how how poorly his season has gone now. Um, because it, it really looked like the Mariners struck gold. Yeah. It and, did. And yeah. It, they didn't. And yeah, and now it has fallen apart. I mean, he was great for the first couple of months and then it's just been disaster ever since. He's uh what was that stat that did was it Tyler in our group? Tyler Wick. 
that uh, mentioned um, he's hitting 171 with runners in scoring position or something like that. Yeah, and I mean, it's not that surprising, really. By the way, he actually had a pretty good July, uh, 323, 330, 376. Yeah. So, I mean, he was good in July, but basically his entire season was April in July, and the rest of the time he's been bad, like not even mediocre, he's been bad. So, yeah. uh, you know, like I said, nobody wants to be, nobody, nobody wants to hate on D, but the simple fact is, is that he is a .6 win player by B war. He is a .3 win player by F war. He's making outs more than 70% of the time. And while he has 28 stolen bases, he's also been caught 10 times. Anyways, um, so that's our little Justin Smoke to D Gordon tangent, but uh, back yeah. <laughs> back to the question. Um, yeah. So you're saying that regardless of what happens the rest of this season, your idea for or your goal for this offseason doesn't change. No. Yeah. All right. Um, I would agree with you. Um, but I'm also the guy who thinks the Mariners should sell. Um, and well, that's kind of my my plan too. Yeah, I think here's the deal: the Mariners don't have stars. They don't. And you look at all the really good teams right now; they have at least one star. A lot of them have two. Um, the Mariners have some very good players. James Paxton is a very good pitcher. Uh, Mitch Haniger is a very good player. He might be a star, but he's probably going to be a star. Uh, honestly, you know who you know who uh, Mitch Haniger is, and this will drive a lot of fans crazy. Mitch Haniger to me looks like he is the outfield version of Kyle Seager, which is really good, but nobody cares. Um, hopefully, he doesn't fall off a cliff like Seager, and I don't think he will. But again, he's really, really good. Nobody's gonna care. But he's a you know player. who he reminds me of, honestly. Yeah, he reminds me of an of an outfield version of Michael Young. Yeah, I love Michael Young. He's one of my favorite players of all time. So I'm perfectly happy with that. Yeah. Young was really good, but Mitch Haniger is probably a four win player. You know, James Paxton in a full season is probably a four win player. Where are the five, the six, the seven win players? They're not in your farm system. Edmund. Their names are Noel V. Marte and <laughs> Julio Rodriguez. <laughs> and that's great because they're both 17, so they'll be up in five years. So it's it, it just there's not there. They're not there. And if you're not going to go out and spend the money on Bryce Harper, on Manny Machado, those guys who can be that type of player, then you're stuck. And it doesn't matter who you add this offseason – you're going to be in the middle of the pack again. Because um, unless you're going to go get two front line, you're going to go get Patrick Corbin and Dallas Keuchel, you know, and you're going to re-sign Nelson Cruz, by the way, who's a free agent after this year. Even if you did all that, you're still behind the Astros. You know, you're cl- you definitely closed the gap, but you're still behind them. And I just, I don't see any way for the Mariners to build a team this offseason that can win the division. So that means fighting it out with the Yankees, with the Red Sox, 
yeah. with the A's, with the Angels. You never know. The I mean, the Blue Jays were supposed to be good this year. They took a step back, but who knows? And you're not guaranteed yeah. to be better than them. So for me, no, it doesn't change. Whether they make the playoffs or not, I think they need to sell. And I, when I say sell, I don't mean get whatever you can for whoever you can. But no. if teams call and ask about Edwin Diaz, Jerry DePoto needs to say, hell yes, he's available. And that doesn't mean you trade him for 80 cents on the dollar. If you trade Edwin Diaz, you're getting an elite prospect back. Elite. Multiple elite prospects, Probably. honestly. You're, you're talking, to, like if the Yankees called, you know what you start with? Give me Glaber Torres. And that's a yeah. reasonable ask. Like, yeah. the Mariners are not without assets to sell here. They're yeah. not. If they put James Paxson on the block, they're not going to get a Chris Archer type of package. But they they'll might get, get close. They might get one or two of those guys. Maybe not all three, but they'll get one at least. Maybe yeah. two. And that, those are legit prospects who are either in the big leagues already or are big league ready. If they put Marco Gonzalez on the block, they're going to get a nice package in return for him. The Mariners yeah. have absolutely won that Tyler O'Neill trade, that Tyler Marco trade. If not because Marco is going to be a very good pitcher for a while, it's because they're going to get more than Tyler O'Neill if they decide to trade him. He's yeah. a pre-arb guy who's pitched like a number three for most of the year. God forbid they trade Mitch Haniger, they can get a really nice player for Mitch Haniger. You know, it's they're not without assets to sell, and that that includes guys like D. Gordon, who is going to have value to the National League in particular, but really everywhere. That includes guys like Mike Leak, who's going to have value. You don't think Mike Leak can get you a J-Hap type of return? Probably can, or at least close to it. Yeah. And so Mike Sonino is going to have value to somebody. Ryan Healy, we know, has value, apparently, to the Royals. Uh, you know, the Mariners have pieces that they can trade, and they don't have to do it all in one offseason. That's, that's, but I would say, regardless of how the season goes, when Jerry DePoto gets a call this offseason, to ask if player X is available, his answer has to be yes. Yes, he's available. And by the way, that works both ways. If somebody calls and offers, Ty, or if somebody calls and wants Kyle Lewis for a player that can help him this year, the answer has to be yes. I'm open to that. Jared, yeah. basically, if I'm Jerry Depoto, I'm entering this offseason saying I'm going to let the market dictate what I do. And. You know, the thing is, he can simultaneously be a buyer and a seller. Yeah. You know, he's done this before. Um, you know, he could trade Kyle Lewis, but also trade James Paxson. Yep. You know, um, I think where I'm at now is the big, the next big window for the Mariners is 2020. Yeah. Not, not 2019. Supplement your roster in 2019. If you can get Patrick Corbin, which I do think is possible because Jerry DePoto has openly spoke out about him. Um, if you can get someone like that, you absolutely do it. Yeah. But 2020, Felix's contract is off of the books. Yeah. That's $27 million in payroll. That is freed up. You're only you can do a... Yeah, I think you're only a year away from removing Kyle Seeger at that point, too, if he hasn't yeah. turned it around. That's another $18 million. So, so yeah, it's there. <laughs> there is a lot you can do with the money that Felix is going to let up. If that's getting a young 
star player in there for a $25 million contract or a $30 million contract, it doesn't matter. Or if it's, you know, two or three role players mm -hmm. that really help your team, a lot can be done with the money that Felix frees up. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, uh, if the Mariners are good enough to compete next year, which, you know, we'll have to see what the rest of the AL does because the rest of the AL right now after the Mariners is absolutely abysmal. Yep. So, and I don't see that changing, honestly, because there is quite a bit of talent on the free agent market this year, but there isn't enough to create five to six good teams in, in the AL out of nowhere. So, you know, the Mariners are still good enough to, to be in in the, you know, in the talk, in the conversation, but, you know, like Colby said, you know, if, if you're able to get a Glaber Torres type of uh, return for Edwin Diaz, you absolutely do that. Because, as we talked about, the closer position and all that, it's meaningless. It's nice to have someone like that, but if you can get a, a six to seven win positional player for a reliever, oh my god! <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I, I'd do one better if I can get a four win positional player for any reliever. I'm doing that just because the positional player is going to play every day. He's going to help me every single day. And as much as I love Edwin Diaz, you know, I don't know that Joey Gerber, who I just took this year, isn't going to be really good. Like yeah. it, or every, Wyatt Mills. Yeah, every year the Mariners draft some relievers, and they turn out to be good. Like, if there's one thing I trust Jerry Depoto to do, it's build a bullpen. Um, because he's done a very nice job of that without spending a ton of money. I mean, I know Nicasio um, cost a lot, but underlying numbers say he was pretty damn good. But whatever. You know, you want to call Nicasio a bust, fine. But the rest of his bullpen, everybody but Vincent's making minimum. And I think Vincent's making, like, a million and a half dollars, so and it's a good bullpen. So uh, I forgot about Colomay. He's making money too. That was an instant acquisition, which by the way has worked out great. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. If, if you can get anything significant, for, and that's the thing I think people misunderstand when you say the Mariners need to sell, they think, oh my, you're just going to give away Edwin Diaz? <laughs> Hell no, I'm not no. going to give away Edwin Diaz. I'm going to go trade him for. Fernando Tatis Jr. Or whatever, you know? Whatever yeah. it is. I'm going to go trade him to the... I'm going to go trade him to the Reds who think they're a contender. I'm going to go trade him to the Rockies, and I'm going to go get Brendan Rodgers and, you know, yeah. these... Or I'll get Hunter Green, you know? Yeah, you know, Royce Lewis, or I'm going to go trade him to the Braves and get two of their stud pitching prospects. It just... I mean... Again, I'm not saying that you go out and you do whatever you can to get rid of all these guys, but if the opportunity presents itself, you have to do it. Um, that works in free agency. That works for trading prospects. That works for trading players on your 25-man yeah. roster right now. Because another thing is, like, they still hold value to you if they remain on your roster. It's not like it's just, oh, I have no use for James Paxson. I have yeah. to absolutely trade him away. No. No. Paxson still has – you're using Paxson as an example, but 
just to be like specific with it, James Paxton is still on your team through this offseason, and he's still on your team through next season. James Paxton still has two years of control left, so if you don't get a deal you like this winter, you hold on to him until July, you try again, and if you don't get a deal you like then, then you can try again in the winter. Yeah. Like, these aren't guys that you, oh my, I have to get this guy off my team because if I don't, I'm not going to get anything. Uh, I'm not going to get anything. It's solid high. Yeah. You're solid high. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's a little deeper than I wanted to go on the phone. Uh, if you yeah. guys like that little tidbit, though, you're going to love our offseason podcast where basically it'll just be a few of us sitting down and kicking around ideas for trades and free agent signings and the direction of the team and all that. But if you want that type of stuff, you'll have to join us when the Mariners are eliminated. Um, honestly, I'm ready to go the minute the Mariners are eliminated, <laughs> whether that's you know September 20th or if it's after they hoist the World Series title. I'm good to go. I've got a list of 60 names off the top of my head as trade candidates. Um, I haven't even really looked that deep at the free agent pool. There's other guys who are going to pop up. There's guys who are going to be non-tendered. The off season. I have a lot of names that I would like. <laughs> there you go. So the the off season shows are going to be off the charts. Um, Jerry, give me Daniel Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> you and Daniel Murphy. So, anyways, yeah. If you guys like that talk, um, when the Mariners are eliminated, we will dive much much deeper into that type of uh, discussion. But for now, they're still playing ball. Um, they're still in it, whether you want to believe that or not. They are. And uh, they're still rolling, so we're going to focus on them first and foremost. Uh, just not today because the last homestand made us sad. So yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's some good off-season talk. And then I guess we'll wrap this up with our final question, who comes to us from uh, Ben, who lives in England apparently. Um, and this is kind of a fun one to wrap up the show. Uh, it's almost football season, and we here at Soto Mojo are firm believers that you can root for both the Seahawks and the Mariners and not be a bad person, which apparently is controversial, but whatever. So, so uh, Ben wants to know, um, which current Mariner could make it in the NFL, and what position would they play? He throws out Guillermo Heredia as a free safety for his choice. Um. Yeah, so we we kind of talked about this before uh, the show started. Um, the first name that came to mind was Nelson Cruz. Um, <laughs> it's it's funny. Um, yeah, I could see Cruz as a like a defensive end or a tight end easily. Um, trying to think, you you brought up Mitch Hanniger as a wide receiver, yep, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, I, I honestly could see Guillermo Heredia as a slot receiver. I think he'd be, uh, that Danny Amendola type. Kind of small, but, like, built so he can take hits and all that stuff. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or a Golden Tate, you know? Yeah. Uh, I could see D. Gordon as a kick returner. Like... Yeah. I, I, I don't know if he'd explode on impact, but, uh, I mean... <laughs> He, uh, I could see that happening. Um, I, Kyle Seeger is a long snapper. Sure, why not? Uh, <laughs> I mean, sure, let's let's do that. You know, uh, yeah, you know, um, I could see Mike Zanino as a tight end. Maybe um, I don't know yeah. if he's quite tall enough. Um, 
but he certainly is thick, and, uh, you know, so that's, yeah, Zanino's 6'2", 220, probably a little too small to be a tight end, but uh, not fast enough to be a receiver. Fullback. Mike Zanino for fullback. There you go. Yep. Uh, Edwin Diaz is kicker, for sure. <laughs> the specialist. There you go. And I'm, and I'm sure he would still be better than Blair Walsh. I mean, he can't be worse, so... <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, I would say if I had to pick one, I'm going to pick uh, Mitch Hanniger as a wide receiver. Um, uh, I kind of like Kyle Seeger as a long snapper. <laughs> yeah, I'm for that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Diaz for a kicker is a good one. Cruz coming at you in a pass rush would be terrifying. Oh, my God. Yeah, just thinking about his arms and the, yeah. uh, the turn ahead, the clock jerseys. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, well, I'll just go down. Uh, like, like imagine if uh, he was wearing, like, the kicker pads like Michael Bennett. <laughs> oh, boy, sleeveless jersey rolled up. Yeah. Let those babies shine. Uh, you know, for, like, for a punter, you know who might be pretty good at punting? And I don't know why I think this, but okay. I think James Paxson might be an okay punter. Um, I, I don't know. He's got the body for it. Yeah, just really unathletic, but like a specialist who does one thing really well. Kind of yeah. sounds like a punter to me. I mean, so Paxson could be the punter. I mean, I want to know who has worse body between James Paxson and Sebastian Janikowski. Oh, it's Janikowski. It's not close. <laughs> like Paxson. I don't know. Have you seen Paxson with his shirt off? <laughs> He's pudgy, but I mean. I haven't He's got seen... dad bod. Yeah, but Janikowski <laughs> has, like, 280-pound like, ex-husband bod. I mean, <laughs> oh my God. Did you see that picture that, that Russell tweeted? Yeah. Oh, oh, my God, he's bigger than Dwayne Brown. <laughs> I mean, I'm not so sure that Sebastian Janikowski shouldn't be the right tackle. I mean... <laughs> He's a little he's a little bit smaller than a Fetty, but I mean he can't be any worse, so Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's a discussion for another time. Yeah, oh god. This is not the yeah, you, shaming you, podcast, but yeah. You, you got you, you got uh, uh you know, you saw how passionate I was about the, the bullpen use. Just wait until you hear me about Jermaine or Fetty. Oh my god. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I'd like to show you my text history with my dad from uh, Saturday night. <laughs> Jermaine Effetti. Oh boy. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. God. Uh, okay, we're we're screw it. We're gonna talk about it real quick. I know this is a Mariner <laughs> podcast, but I'm ready. Okay. All right, you get two minutes. Go. It's a four man rush on a hail mary, and he's beat within one second. <laughs> The ball is snapped, and Jermaine Effetti is already on the ground on a Hail Mary when the Chargers are not even trying to rush. Yeah. Are you... <laughs> like... He's not good, man. And then he... Okay, and then he goes over to the sideline, and apparently, like, he slams his helmet, and he's disappointed in himself. Okay. I'm tired of his attitude. That's what makes him worse. That's what makes him even more annoying is that he has, like, the worst attitude in the world. He can't keep his anger under control. He doesn't understand that to make up 
for his poor blocking, you can't hold the guy. So that so he ended up leading the league in penalties last year. Like he's just the most unlikable person and player there is, because he's not a good dude, and he's a terrible, terrible athlete. <laughs> Like, if he was at least likable and he had, like, a likable story, I could kind of show some... I just... I, dude. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> like, he's just so bad. Please, God, let them start George Fant tomorrow. <laughs> okay, my rant is done. Okay, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> we've established Jermaine Effetti is really bad. Um, what else did we learn on today's podcast? Um... We learned that uh, Jerry DePoto is almost certainly going to make a trade between now and the 31st. Um, we also learned that uh, Scott Service is kind of stupid, um, particularly yep. in his use of the bullpen, um, which isn't excusable because he's a nice guy. Let's get that out of the way right now. Um, we also learned that our off-season podcasts are going to be must-listen. Um, because apparently Tyler has a bunch of names that he likes, and I have 60 that uh, just trade candidates, not even free agents. And that was just me thinking, per, going through every team and thinking, oh, that makes sense, that makes sense. I didn't even look at rosters and 40-man and all that stuff. So, um, And, you know, it was 20 minutes for what was supposed to be like a five-minute question. And uh, even though we weren't supposed to talk specifics about the offseason, we did anyway. So the yep. offseason podcasts are going to be great. So you guys are going to want to listen to that. Um, you might have to go more than once a week for those. because. Uh, <laughs> do, you, do you like five-hour podcasts? Well, we do. <laughs> that's the reason we might have to go for more than, one, more than once a week. Uh, give you a couple 30-minute podcasts or something like that. But uh, yeah. anyways, and we also learned that uh, Kyle Seeger would be the long snapper. So... Um, you know, and he'd we probably be better than Nolan Freeze or whoever the long snapper was like two years ago. I miss, <laughs> it, when, I miss it when I didn't know the long long snapper's name. <laughs> but yeah, I miss Cl- I miss Clint Gresham. That yeah. was that was he was a good dude. <laughs> yeah, I had a I had a buddy who was actually not friends with him, but they like knew each other like. Yeah, they they have a weird kind of relationship, but anyways, yeah, I, I miss him too. Um, <clears throat> and we also learned that Ty hates uh, Jermaine Fetty. So Jermaine Fetty is like the Andrew Romine of the Seahawks. Ouch! Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's the greatest insult you could levy against somebody. Well, Ty, I will say that you are definitely not the Andrew Romine of this website. Oh, thank uh, you. Yeah, I, I I can't say the same. Ouch. <laughs> Anyways, on that note, it is off on a high note. There you go. On that no, note, no, it's all it's all love around here at Soto Mojo. Don't worry. You know, even to uh, to the to the you know the Justin Smokaters. You know, we love you too. You got a special place in our hearts. It's really tucked down deep down there, but it's there. Yeah, not for me. I hate your guts. Anyways, okay. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, guys, thanks for listening. Um, be sure to uh, visit the website. Uh, I'll leave the link to the bullpen management article in the description below. Um, you can subscribe and uh, you can subscribe and find our podcast on just about every major podcast carrier there is. Um, 
you know, like I said, it was fun. Uh, we'll be back at with you, I think, next week. The Mariners have an off day on Monday, if I'm not mistaken. Sure. Uh, so we'll probably hit you guys back on the next Mariners off day. Hopefully there will be a trade to talk about. Um, as always, you guys want to send us questions. We're open. We're willing to listen and discuss even the stupidest questions. So uh, don't be afraid to send them. So uh, anyways, from all of us here at Soto Mojo, um, I will say that Urban Meyer is a scumbag and should be fired. And I will see you guys in, an, in another life. But forever's gonna end. It's so hard to say goodbye.